This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Now, here's Hammy, Vigo, and your host, Jupiter. Good evening and welcome back to the GPL podcast. We've been off for over a month now. A lot has happened, but uh, really the, the the biggest thing that's happened, Vigo, is that they went out. They they, they, they finished their first part of the season, uh, winning two at Michigan State, and then they uh, won their own tournament, Mariucci Classic. So four straight wins for the Gophers. Yeah, I think they took care of business. I don't think Michigan State, Mercyhurst, or uh, UMass really were the <laughs> the cream of the crop this year for opponents. Uh, but, you know, you didn't see Minnesota have letdowns in any of those games. Um, nope. They got good goaltending, good special teams, and, and that got them through the stretch. It definitely did. Uh, Hammy, it had been since, well, they didn't obviously play too many series in Michigan State uh, over the years, but it had been since the late 70s, since they had two wins back-to-back at Michigan State. Obviously, Michigan State is not... Uh, the greatest of teams, um, but uh, two wins on the road in conference is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the, I mean, as you said, and they're not the greatest team in the world, and no. it, but it always seemed like when we traveled, you know, uh, up there, at least when it was the college hockey showcase, that was like the one game where the Gophers, for whatever reason, just didn't play well. So it's nice to go up there and get a few wins, um, even if it's against a team that is pretty weak and you sort of expect to sweep. Nonetheless, it's nice to execute on that. And, um, and then, of course, coming back for the Classic and uh, having a, success, a successful weekend there. I mean, so four straight wins, I mean, you kind of like that, and hopefully it'll kind of create a lot of momentum for the uh, second half. Well, I certainly hope so. Uh, Viggs, um, none of those uh, players had won their own tournament They'd been to Frozen Fours. They'd done so many things else. They've won uh, uh, league championships, but uh, none of them had won a Mariucci Classic. No, you, you kind of got the sense that that tournament was something that they tended to look past. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a series you know, of games where they didn't play their best game. They weren't disciplined. You know, they didn't play good defense. They turned the puck over too much. I think this year's team did a much better job of managing the puck and not really letting these teams get into the games. You know, you didn't see a ton of turnovers. Um, you know, when they were on the penalty kill, they worked as a unit. And, of course, the player, Eric Shearhorn, um, has been much better. Uh, I found out this week that he went back to his old pads from last year. And whether that actually is an equipment change that is helping his game or if it's just a mental thing, you know, he looked really solid. You know, he wasn't fighting the puck. He was controlling his rebounds. He looked confident. And I noticed one thing you mentioned on uh, Twitter after hearing from him. You know, obviously you listened to he was on ESPN uh, 1500 Monday night, but uh, you, he, he seems to favor smaller pads, and he thinks it's a good idea. Whereas obviously pads have gotten way out of control in the last 25 years. Well, I mean, if you're six six, you know, two hundred <laughs> pounds, you know, you're going to put the biggest pads on you can because then you cover up more net. Yeah, you know, Shearhorn can put on as big of pads as he wants, but you know, he's. 
you know, five eleven, six feet maybe. Yep. And um, he's not a real big goalie, so when he goes down into his drop, you know, he he'll leave a lot of the net open up top. So he's got to be more athletic. He's got to read the play. He's got to get square to shooters. I think that kind of hurt him a little bit earlier in the year. He was trying to overread the play, mm-hmm. you know, and he wasn't honoring the first shot. He wasn't getting set for shots. And I think he's a he's a better goalie when he's a little bit calmer um, with his positioning. Uh, this is for either of you, but uh, do you think we're ever going to see any major reduction in pads? I mean, obviously the yeah, size, I, I, obviously I, the size of the so. keeper, but uh, it, I, there's well, got to be something done, isn't there? Well, I mean, for me, it's like you hear about all the bragging about, oh, the goalies nowadays are so athletic and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, that's probably true. They're probably much more athletic than they were you know, 30 years ago or whatever when scoring in the NHL and whatever was so, was a much higher, but it's at the same time, you're like, the pads are also much bigger. And if you look at like old school, like the North stars from the eighties, mm-hmm. like Don Beaupre or Jules Malash or those guys, it's like, they didn't have these, you know, big, uh, you know, leg pads. They didn't have like their, uniforms weren't like making them look like they're 300 pounds and you know what i'm saying it's like it's ridiculous to me if they're that much better in terms of athleticism it's like okay then let's reduce the size of the pads and make them prove it you know make them prove that they have greater quickness with their legs or their hands or whatever and and but instead there's allowing them to fill up 80 percent of the net with way too much pads so yeah i would like to see them reduced and it's not just the leg pads, you know. Obviously, they got the shoulder pads that stick up higher. Right. Their blockers are huge. Their, their gloves are gigantic. Um, but, you know, I, I do think, though, Hammy, that uh, they are more athletic. And these goalies are a lot bigger than they used to be. I mean, look at Devin Dubnik. He's, like, one of the tallest guys in the NHL. He's a big well, guy. Yeah, well, and that's fine. But yeah. it's, like, still, <laughs> it's, like, then make their pads, you know – Make them a certain width yeah. that they can't exceed. It doesn't matter well, how tall you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you just allow there to be, um, you know, make it more of an athletic thing rather than having them just rely on, oh, I have all this extra padding um, so I don't have to play my angles necessarily as tight or, um, you know, some of that, you know, or I can go out and challenge guys a lot more because I have 10 pounds of, you know, pads on one leg you know let alone the rest of your body so it's just it's ridiculous any more thoughts well, i know on that they pads? were i know that they were trying to do the hockey equipment changes this year in the nhl but the manufacturers themselves couldn't produce things fast enough because it's not like there's a big yeah. market for you know small goalie gear you know if there's no rules the, the goalies want them as big as they can and i think the biggest thing in in this pad tech revolution is the weight you know, when Wally Shaver was in that, you know, he had deer hair in his pads. If he would have played out in that game in California, the outdoor game where it was a downpour, you know, he probably wouldn't be able to go down and get back up because you know, there'd be so much water in those things. And that's really the biggest thing that's allowed them to make these pads bigger and bigger. But, that's, um, but, but they're that's small, also, smaller goalie. They, yeah. they need to be agile. Yeah, but that, that's also where, you know, they say, oh, it's for protection. Well, that's kind of BS because these days – they're lighter, they're stronger, they protect better. There's really, um, I, I think that's a lame excuse to say for protection. 
I mean, we've been hearing that for years, and I just don't think that's the case. Well, having the goalie pants that are, you know, size 55 waist for a guy who's a size 32 waist is, <laughs> is not for protection. So, you know, yeah, otherwise it would be just fine. Go after guys. <laughs> Stop uh, their breezers. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, it was just, I just noticed that, uh, you know, he had mentioned that, that he kind of prefers the smaller pads and... Uh, uh, I just thought it would be an interesting thing to talk about because, you know, I, I believe it was, was it someone on, on Hockey Night Canada a couple of years ago did a large demonstration of, you know, how, how much reduced these pads could be and yet still be very effective. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure who did it. I just remember seeing a video on it you know, a few years ago. And uh, they could easily make the pads, you know, not as wide um, and, and obviously fix things all over the place to, to tweak it, uh, to, to – Make it a little more fair because, like you say, you got Devin Dubnik and that just his body covers enough of the net. You had these gigantic pads, and oh boy, there's a reason why he's leading the league. It's just not hard. it's hard to find a spot. Well, so. I think even a guy like um, Devin Dubnik, he said he's liked the the better fitting equipment. He doesn't like having something that's too bulky. No, he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but Corey Hirsch was the guy who did the thing on Hockey Night in Canada, and he yeah, said, you, you know. It makes a huge difference when these guys have the oversized jerseys, you know, with the big armpit, you know, connectors. It's almost like a wing when they put out their arms. And it's just, okay. you remember when the Wild played Anaheim in that series in the Stanley Cup playoffs? <laughs> you know, that goalie was a Michelin man. You know, he, he'd go <laughs> down so true. His, he'd go down his butterfly and his chest protector would pop up. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's, un- it's ridiculous. Oh, that, that, I remember that. You know, and I actually remember us. And you know, when we were playing for the Rubes, there were a couple of guys on some of the adult teams that had some gigantic pads. I mean, that were just ridiculous in size. Uh, oh, beer league! Those are the days, huh, Viggs? Yeah, those you, were. You still playing? Mean, you still playing beer league? the manufacturers on board with that. So, you still playing beer league? No, no, the Rubes have disbanded. Uh, well, yeah, I knew they kind of disbanded, but uh, I thought you might still play here and there. But uh, Here and there, when I can. I need to get out and skate. I'm, it's been so long. Too long. Too long. So, obviously, you know, we've got, the, we've got the sweep over Michigan State. Great for the standings. You know, they, they, they win the Mary Ucci Classic. Uh, but, Viggs, um, you've been keeping track of attendance these last few years. And... Uh, you know, the number of tickets scanned, the number of tickets sold. Um, all through last year, I do not believe they went below 6,000 of actual scanned tickets. They've gone below 6,000 a few times this year. And I believe the Saturday night game against uh, against uh, UMass, it was under 5,000. It was like 4,500 people scanned in for tickets. Uh they better start sounding the alarms here, Viggs, because it's not looking good. No, it's not. You know, New Year's Eve was a was a tough yeah. ticket with it the World Juniors yeah. and the Wild, you know, going up against Columbus. So that was probably a tough game for them to sell. You know, they did do a pretty good job on the on the Friday night game. Yeah. You know, they, they had a decent crowd in there for that. Um, but there is just definitely this demeanor out there that, that go for hockey isn't what it used to be, and they are having a tough time selling tickets. It'll be... It'll be interesting to see the second half of the season. They'll have more yeah. home games going. You know, they're probably going to be a top ten team here um, for the rest of the way. And it'll be interesting to see if the if the ticket buying public responds or if they'll continue to ignore them. I don't. I, 
I think I heard it right. I think it was around 4,400 scanned. Ugh. Well, when your season ticket base is under 6,000, you know, you've got to do something to get people to go to the games. Um, hopefully Mark Coyle is paying attention to this because you know, it's either ticket prices or marketing. they got to figure it out. I don't know. I, I All I know is that, you know, talking to a few people uh, after that game that uh, we better watch out because, you know, there's a lot of excitement by what's going on in Wisconsin. I mean, uh, they got their new coaching staff there. There seems to be a lot more excitement than there was there before. And uh, before we know it, Wisconsin is going to be right back on it. They're going to be filling that place. And unless we get on it now, we better uh, – uh, I don't. I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just it, it's 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 getting pretty sad, Hammy. No one's. Well, I'm not up. really. Wor- I mean, I understand the concerns about you wanting to have a great home ice advantage and fans into the game and all that kind of stuff. I don't. I don't honestly feel that that plays much of a role when it comes to what happens on the ice. You know, I think that part of it. You know, you, you kind of say what what drives what. I mean, is it. The fans drive the atmosphere, which drives the team, or is it the team that drives the fans to the game and creates the great atmosphere because they're a really good team? I mean, yeah. I, I suppose they kind of go hand in hand, but um, to me, this is an issue where, you know, obviously there was a little bit of blowback with the change of leagues um, that caused a little bit of it, but I personally I think the majority of it is, I mean, you've priced out a lot of the hardcore fans mm-hmm. that, um, you know, are going to want to go out for some beers and then go out to the game um, on the weekends and stuff like that. Now they've priced a lot of people out or they've sold tickets to, you know, corporations or whatever that just aren't utilizing the tickets the way they should. uh, So I don't really feel like it's, and, you know, probably some of it's a little bit of complacency, you know, as we've seen with Gopher football, you know, in the last week alone. I mean, when you get somebody in there that really has that, rah-rah energy and you know can create some buzz i mean it does really help with you know the fans and the tickets and all that kind of stuff and obviously we've kind of had a coaching staff that's been around for quite a while and lucia is not exactly the rah-rah type of guy so i mean i think that certainly plays a role in it as well you you have to have coaches that sell um, a little bit of the program and create some of that excitement as well well, I saw a perfect example being priced out uh, uh, during the Marriage Classic. Um, uh, Vigo, you might remember our old uh, Rube and uh, POI skater, uh, Rodents Rule, don't you? Yep, I remember Rodents. Well, Rodents was uh, was at uh, at the Mariucci Classic with his whole family. Um, they used to be season <coughs> ticket holders, but uh, they've been priced out for the last quite a few years. It's the first game they had been to in a long time, and really the only reason they came... They were given three tickets. But, I mean, he's the perfect example of a blue-collar fan who loved the team and just can't afford to go anymore because the ticket price is so much. You've got a donation to have a decent seat. Um, I'm sure a lot of people listening to us right now have been priced out of this. I mean, some people could still afford it, but... uh, And then on top of that, you know, it's starting to affect the bottom line, isn't it, Viggs? I mean, we've got... The expenses for this program have doubled at least because of the travel of the Big Ten. They can't take these cheap bus rides anymore. They're always flying pretty much everywhere. Um, attendance is down. Uh, I'm guessing the bottom line is really starting to get damaged, isn't it? I, I only think the bottom line will get affected is if we see more weekends like this past one 
throughout the season. Um, up until this point, you know, they still were selling 9,000 plus seats. So they're still getting a lot of people to buy the tickets. It's getting people to show up that's been the issue. Um, you know, when they lose a season ticket base by about 1,000, that's losing donation money. So I only think is this, if this becomes a trend, will it become a problem for their bottom line? Um, but they are aware of it, and they're trying to figure out how to, how to solve it. Well, and I think the other thing you got to remember is it's a little bit easier to tolerate some of this when your TV money keeps going up several million dollars a year. You know, granted, it's not strictly about hockey. I'm just talking about the athletic department in general. Um, you never like to lose, you know, be making less money in anything, but nonetheless, you're kind of able to offset that when you're getting such significant money from the Big Ten Network and all that kind of, and whatever other kind of media rights they get. So I'm sure that that plays a part in it, but obviously, yeah, you want to be able to turn that around. And I personally, I just think that they need to do something about ticket prices. I'm not saying that that's going to completely solve it. Like I said earlier, I think it's a combination of things, but um, I just, nowadays when you think about, I mean, I remember going to old Mariucci with my dad back in the seventies and it's like, I mean, of course, I didn't buy the tickets myself, but I can imagine that they're not very expensive for a dad to bring his son to a hockey game. Five now to ten you bucks, compare that. Yeah, I mean, now you compare that, you know, to back then and now, and it's a world of difference. And and even with, you know, uh, even with the price increases that you're going to have just from um, inflation, you know, it's still way higher than what it would have been back then. So it's it's just gotten out of hand. Well, as usual, Nate Wells is listening to us live. He says uh, UW, Wisconsin, had hit a ten to 11,000 this past weekend against uh, Michigan State. Students were off. That was more than the announced for uh, the 2016 Minnesota series. So they had more announced uh, there this past weekend than they did last season against Minnesota. So. Well, is that the, when they do the announced? Is yeah, that what the actual that, attendance is, or what's the ticket prices? Yeah, that's the, that's sold. tickets sold, just like they do it. Well, right. they don't even announce the, the attendance at Mariucci anymore because they know it's going to be booed. Um, but uh, I, I don't know because I, I saw some of those Wisconsin games, and you know the one strength that used to be obviously, obviously the, the students are gone, but uh, there was no. It was pretty empty. They might have sold a lot of tickets, but it was pretty empty. And, uh, during the school session, you know, that student section used to fill the entire end of the arena there at Wisconsin. Three decks worth. And well, the other thing with Wisconsin is their, their tickets are 24 bucks. Yep. And, and 20 bucks for upper level. Um, you can get discounts on group tickets. Um, so they've got a bigger building, and, and they've had a lot of issues the last couple of years. So I think they've taken some drastic measures to try to increase interest in their program. Yeah, but their tickets have never been expensive. It's just uh, really, I think, more with them is, is obviously the product on the ice. If they start doing fairly good again, they're going to fill the Kohl Center again. Which is good for Big Ten hockey. It you is know, good. I think the Big Ten needs Wisconsin to be good to, to have a good conference. It's, Michigan's having a down year this year. Um, Wisconsin looks to be on the way up. Yeah. yeah. Well, before we get on to a few more questions via Twitter, let's listen to our sponsor vintagemnhockey.com is a proud sponsor of the GPL podcast well what is vintage MN hockey well it's kind of the place to get all of your history of Minnesota hockey 
from the pros to the minors to the collegiate teams to even the high school teams. All information about any of those teams can be found on VintageMNHockey.com. They also have great interviews with some historical Minnesota hockey figures like John Mayasich and Lou Nanny, Glenn Sonmore, some of the greats of Minnesota hockey. So make sure you check out those interviews. It's a really great thing. But as like I always say, I think my favorite part is the store. The store, you can buy a custom historical jersey from the Gophers or the Bulldogs or some of your favorite high school teams. And if you do make a purchase, just use the code GPLPODCAST, all one word, and you'll get 10% off your order. So make sure you visit VintageMNHockey.com and follow them on Twitter at VintageMNHockey. Thanks to Vintage. Uh, our old pal uh, Kyle Owen, who runs Vintage, may be a guest on the podcast next week. So, uh, We'll have to wait and see if he can come on or not. I'm not quite sure. Um, one thing that we've been trying to do is we've been trying to get Pat Micheletti on. And we're finding it a little difficult to get Pat on because uh, some of the radio gods uh, don't feel he should be coming on those type of things. So, though Pat would be a great guest and would love to come on, it's uh, it's a little tricky. So, I'll keep working on it. We'll see. Got some other guests. They're intimidated by GPL, big KFAN. Well, yeah. well, you know, when's the last time you heard Kevin Gorg on the air on KFAN? Start of the season, maybe. Are you <laughs> complaining about that? Or? I'm not complaining about it, but uh, he used to be regular guest on there, and ever since he started his own podcast, I don't believe they've had him on the air. So I think they're kind of doing the same thing with Pat Micheletti. They say you want to do something else, yeah. You're not going to be on the air. So I think Pat wants to stay on the air. So he's not going to risk it, and I don't blame him. Uh, Nate Wells has another question. He wants to know how the rest of my uh, New Year's celebration go. Uh, well, you missed it this time, Viggs. We actually uh, occupied a suite after the Marriage Classic game. It was quite quite fun, quite entertaining, a lot of good stories. Um, and you didn't miss much, late, Nate. Uh, it, was a, it was a good time. How was your guys' New Year's? Did you guys have to do anything fun? Hammy? I did not. I was mellow this year. I uh, I don't know. I guess I kind of look at it as amateur night. I'm staying off the roads. <laughs> staying staying out of trouble. I did that. I did plenty of the New Year's thing when I was younger, so I've got that out of my system. It, it had actually been a long time since I had been out. You know, I don't think we left the building until about two twenty in the morning, and. Uh, I was like, I was walking, I was going to the to the ramp. I'm like, why are all these people out here? So many people. Well, it's been so long since I've been out so late that I didn't figure that, you know, bars are just closed. Everyone's going home. Yeah, it's so. not one o'clock like it used to be like <laughs> when we were like going to the bars. Yeah, so it, it was just a little odd. And I don't, of course, I live out in South Dakota. I didn't get home because I, I had to drop somebody off at their house. I didn't get home till 3.15 in the morning and. Boy, it's been a while since I've been out that late. So it was a good time, Nate. It was it was it was nice that you could join us along with your girlfriend. So yeah, we got to meet Nate's girlfriend, Biggs. She's very lovely. That's nice. I know that uh, Nate got some tickets from someone who just got engaged. So someone who just got engaged. Who could that be? Yeah, I, I wonder Brian if he's listening tonight. Congrats to him, Brian. He might Deutsch. be listening, but he might be listening. He's, he's had a stressful week. Oh boy. Deutsche got married. Uh, well, not getting married. He got engaged. He's Deutsch is what we'd call the old SID, basically the basically the head media person at the U. Um, 
at least for hockey. And uh, looks like he proposed to his girlfriend uh, right at center ice at Mariucci after uh, skate with the Gophers. Looked like there was nobody out there. So very cool, Brian, and uh, congratulations. That is that's pretty exciting. Don't see something like that every day. So hopefully you're listening, Brian, and congratulations. Um, a goofy question, and I'm just going to read it. Um, Doug at Mantle wants to know, is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> I don't even know where that one came from. I don't know either. Vigo is... Well, it's got two, two slices of bread, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> it's got meat in the middle. So people like to call it a sandwich, but it's simply a hot dog. Uh, it's simply a hot dog. You know, your usual lunch meat is not the dog. That's what <laughs> its uniqueness. Well, there you go. Uh, I'm sorry. I saw that. I just had to go with it. Oh, but uh, more serious questions. State of Hockey, he's always sending us questions. Uh, and if you always want, you can send us questions anytime. If you're listening in live or, you know, in between, you know, on the off days, just use the hashtag GPL podcast and we'll try to get it on the air. And and uh, obviously we've got Nate. Uh, he tweets us all the time during the show, giving us facts and figures. So uh, if you're listening live and have anything for us, just uh, just tweet at us. We'll, we'll talk about your topics and try to answer your questions. Anyway, State of Hockey wants to know, Vigo, your second half MVP for this team will be... Well, I think it's got to be Eric Shoehorn if this yep. team's going to do something. You know, he didn't have a great first half. You know, his goals against is like 2-7. His save percentage is under 90. And they still perform pretty well as a team. You know, if he can get those numbers, you know, above 90 and under 2.5 the second half, this is going to be a dangerous team to play against because they've shown that they can score goals. Yes. You know, they've got good penalty killers. They've got great power play guys. Um, they've got depth this year, which is nice to see. Um, they've got a lot of defensemen who can move the puck and get involved in the rush. Um, but I think for this team to, to step up and, and be one of the top, you know, five, six teams in the country, they need better goaltending, and that's going to come on his shoulders. What do you think, Cammy? Who, who is going to be the MVP? Do you have anyone besides Shearer? Because I think that is the perfect pick. <laughs> yeah, well, right. I mean, exactly. So I was going to go, uh, personally, I think Justin Clues, um, mainly because I think Obviously, being the team leader, uh, the captain, a guy that you know certainly we've seen get very hot. I mean, in terms of um, he's had stretches over his college career where he's done very well, and I think that he's always been. You know, he bleeds maroon and gold. Uh, you know, he's had opportunities to leave and stayed because uh, you know, even coming into college, he had better scholarship offers. He wanted to be a gopher, and so I have a feeling that he's going to want to go out with a bang and, and do really, really well and and play really well. And so if I had to say anything other than a goalie, I would go with the captain. And I think you might see a, a good weekend for the captain come up um, against uh, Michigan. Uh, he's been playing on a stack line lately, you know, and uh, I think we might see him with Pitlick and uh, Bristet this weekend. And I think that could be really beneficial for Clues to have, you know, a hard worker like Bristol on his line with him, and then a sniper like Pitlick, who needs to shoot the puck more to be effective. I would completely agree. I I, I know they've been telling him that, but uh, boy, ever since game one, when or well, I think it was game one or game two, when he sniped that goal, I've wanted to see more of that, and he seems set on setting people up. And uh, I think you've mentioned that the coaches have told him to shoot more, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, they've been on him. You know, maybe having the captain on the line with him will help him get that through his head and, and convince him to start firing the puck on that more. But, 
Now, he's a player who's going to have a lot of chances this weekend if he plays with those two. Okay. Uh, Hammy, I got a question for you. What's the word on the Canadian goalie coming in next year? Do they want him to split time with Shearhorn? That's from a Tim Hapke who's always tweeting us questions. They bring in a Canadian goalie next year? Well, I mean, I think it's a matter of, you know, we've kind of seen that, that we don't have anything really behind him mm-hmm. at this point that's going to make you fill with confidence in case Shearhorn gets, you know, injured or if he, you know, has a poor stretch or whatever. You want to have something that's going to provide some competition and some opportunity for somebody else. And so, um, you know, I think obviously Shearhorn's going to come into the to the season uh, being the, the starter, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't expect otherwise, but certainly you want to have a guy that can come in and feel confident about when, uh, you know, he starts on a, you know, whether it's alternating starts early in the season or um, coming in because, uh, you know, of an injury situation or whatever it might be. So I I think that that's really what it's going to end up being. I don't think, unless Shearhorn completely falls on his face next year, I still expect him you know, be starting the majority of the games. Um, of course, we'll see how the second half goes here too. So uh, there's still this season to go, and he's got things to prove. And hopefully, the way he's played uh, recently will be a good sign. And I see you're tweeting right about it right now, Vigo. Uh, the, the Canadian goalie is uh, Matt Robson. Yep, Nate Wells uh, tracked down an interview with him and his coach, and uh, got some great stuff uh, for the Pioneer Press. And it's a good uh, background piece on him. But I do think they need someone to come in and give him uh, sure on some pressure. Mm-hmm. And you can't just have a goalie out there without anybody pushing him. Because um, if you have some mental issues like he seemed to have this first mm-hmm. part of the year, you need someone to go to. And you know, you thought it was going to be Nick Lair, but uh, his last two appearances have, have not been great and just kind of showed when Lucia put him out there and then pulled him <laughs> back off the ice that they think – Putting a different guy in there is not going to solve the problem. So they've got to get Shearhorn right, and hopefully next year, if they have any similar issues, they'll have someone they could go to. Well, we're only four games into the Big Ten season. Obviously, we do in the first half of the year. You've got a well, tons of non-conference games, and obviously, we'll have the North Star Cup coming up in a few weeks. But uh, Hammy, we're, we're we're finally getting into the heart of the Big Ten schedule. Um, uh, right now, it's you know. Pretty much, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Penn State all at the top, all with nine points, four games. Um, but uh, our opponent this weekend, Hammy, Michigan, one and three in the Big Ten, and they are struggling. And this is something we haven't seen out of Michigan in a long time. Yeah, I mean, usually, you know, Michigan's, you know, they've always lost players early, but they've usually done a pretty good job of filling those spots in with some young, you know, talent that's really uh, high-level types of blue-chipper types of guys. And um, they just really haven't got that this year. They haven't had those guys that are really those breakthrough studs that um, are scoring at a pretty high clip, And you know, as soon as they get into college. And they lost, obviously, a ton off of last year's team. Um, so it's just one of those things where, you know, we used to talk about it, if you get that high-end talent, you know, it's one of two things. You better either capitalize on that small window that you have it, um, or and you better reload very well because if you don't, you're going to find yourself in trouble. And the Gophers, you know, ran into that for a few seasons, and uh, that's kind of what we're think. I think we're seeing here with Michigan this year. Uh, do you think uh, Red's going to retire, or is Rain's going to come to the end here, uh, Viggs? 
Well, it's kind of tough. You know, he's he's getting up there in age. Yeah. Uh, he and Lucia are some of the longer tenured coaches, but uh, Red's got a few years on him. <laughs> um, it's it's tough when you lose a CCM line like that to the NHL and, and have to replace that many players on your team. The surprising thing, though, is that their special teams have been pretty good this season. You know, they're top 15 in both nationally. Um, they're just probably not scoring enough, playing well enough 5-on-5, five five and getting good enough goaltending to be consistent. Um, so I think Minnesota needs to take advantage of that this weekend. Um, Michigan's going to be without one of their leading scorers, Will Lockwood, um, with a shoulder injury from the GLI. So that's a, that's a big uh, miss for Michigan, as, as they don't have a lot of depth this year. Well, I'm, I'm going to say flat out, if uh, Minnesota needs to sweep this. They, uh, obviously, I predicted that in the past. Ooh, they're going to sweep. But uh, this Michigan team's down. And like you said, Viggs, uh, they need to take advantage of this. They need to get the full six points this weekend, put Michigan behind us for good for the year, and uh, keep building on this momentum that they started, you know, starting in December, Viggs. Yeah, definitely. It does. It, it looks like Michigan's going to be one of the bottom half teams in the Big Ten this year. And you know, when you get a team like that in your home rink, you got to take advantage. You know, Penn State did the same thing early in the season. Um, Wisconsin split with them, so I think to separate yourself in the Big Ten, you can't give away points to a team like this. You think a sweep? Yeah, I think I think a sweep is the expectation. You know, Minnesota played well. Um, with their power play on the rush, I think for them to, to really separate this weekend, you know, you'd like to see a little more in zone time. Uh, I'd like to see Tommy Novak get back on the score sheet. I think he's oh, um, gone pointless in six games. I think part of that is, you know, they may be out thinking themselves on the power play, putting him in a spot with four other guys rather than starting the power play with Novak. Mm-hmm. You know, he is such a dynamic player on that off wing when he has the threat to put it towards the net or pass it to one of the guys on the umbrella. I think when you put him on the other side, you're just handcuffing him and, and limiting the options of probably one of your best playmakers on the team. So it'll be interesting to see if they can put him back on that off wing this weekend and get him going again, because I think he's an important player in the second half. I don't really see him as an MVP-type player, but I see him as an important piece. Viggs, you've got your degree, correct? Yep. Can, can, you be, college. Can, can you be the next coach at University of Minnesota? I, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> not not going to happen. But, I don't know. You seem you to know, have I some can, pretty good solutions here. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit harder uh, to tell people what to do and to get them oh, to do it. Of course. I don't know. I, I just I, I, A lot of times you, you see a lot of things that uh, maybe the coaching staff is not seeing, but uh, who knows? I, I don't know. Well, I think sometimes if you get too close to the situation, you think, yeah. You know, Novak can do so many things well. You know, you feel like you're not handicapping yourself by putting him on the other side. But when he goes pointless in, in five, six games like this, not good. you know, <laughs> put him in a position to do what he does well. I know that's one of the things Potomi talked about with the World Junior team, is he wanted to put guys in positions where they were comfortable and they could do well. You know, that was the priority there. And, you know, you're building this gopher team to be really good at the end of the season you got to find ways to put guys in positions to do what they're comfortable. Yeah, definitely do. Hammy, what do you think in sweep, I hope, too? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the Gophers, uh, even when Michigan's got some pretty good talent, always seem to play them pretty well. They do, um, yeah. The styles match up pretty well, and, um, you know, we kind of like that wide-open type of game, and Michigan type tends to play that over the years, and 
Um, I just think that we match up very well. We have a better team than Michigan. We'll be at home. Um, Shearhorn seems to be riding the ship. You know, it's a little early to tell full time yet. You know, but he seems to be in that direction. Um, so I, I, I expect a sweep this weekend. I'd be disappointed if we don't get that. So six points, folks. Bank it right there. You've heard it from us first. Um, Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Viggs, um, I think a lot of people are still missing out on probably what is the best tournament in hockey, and that's the World Juniors. And uh, obviously, uh, Team USA brought home gold again. Uh, it was it, it was they were it was they were a great team. They went seven and zero in the tournament. And obviously, people in the United States don't care, but uh, my goodness, is this a great tournament? It's a spectacular tournament. I got to talk to Moscow before mm-hmm. you know, the team was announced, and he said one of the reasons it's so great is because when players make mistakes, the opposing team always has talent to capitalize. Mm-hmm. You know, if you see somebody turn over the puck, you know the other team has skill to finish and threaten the goalie, and that makes every game exciting from start to finish. You know, three goal leads aren't safe in the World Juniors because you'd make three turnovers, you have a tie game again. Um, and you have all these guys who are trying to impress, you know, all the NHL brass that's there, impress their teams that they've been drafted by or improve their draft stock, and they're trying to make things happen. And it's a lot of fun. I think one of the best things about this uh, U.S. team was they just had so much talent. You know, a lot of times USA Hockey has gone to these tournaments where they have two scoring lines and two checking lines. That wasn't the case. I mean, Troy Terry was, I, th- I think, on their fourth Ooh. line for much of the tournament, and he was spectacular. Stone and, uh, they cold, showed... jeez. <laughs> oh, boy. And they showed that, uh, that talent wins out, and they, uh, they played really great. They played a lot of possession hockey. Um, you saw them cycle the zone a lot, even against Russia, You know, a team who probably created possession hockey. They did. And they brought the game right to them. It was fun to watch, and I'm so glad that it's on – TV, and it was great to have it in Canada with good game times. Uh, just a spectacular tournament. Hammy, do you follow that tournament at all? Uh, you know, I'm not a diehard about it. I I, I guess, uh, you know, I like them much like college teams. I kind of like to take a break uh-huh. um, over the over the holidays. and um, So I didn't watch it carefully, and I honestly don't generally watch it carefully. Uh, maybe when it starts getting more into you know the the late rounds uh so the semifinals and the final stuff i might get more involved in it then but it, yeah it, i mean obviously i understand it's a and i've watched enough to know that it's um, very high skilled and, and exciting but for me I, I don't know what it is about it it just i've never i you know i just never have gotten into it to the level that a lot of other people do so just uh, a personal thing i guess i, I think it kind of started building up you know when you had that one you know, the, the, the one junior tournament where you had somebody like, you know, you had a Sidney Crosby and an Ovechkin and all of those, what we see as superstars now were in, in, were in this tournament. And, and then it started being on TV more and we'd see it more. And, uh, for me, it's just, a, it's a team USA thing. You know, I, I, I love the team USA. It's like bringing guys together. It's for the United States. Uh, it's really the that's the only time I watch soccer is when Team USA is on. I don't follow all these other soccer leagues and stuff like that, but when it's like World Cup or anything, it's you know U.S. based. I don't know. It's just maybe it's my patriotism gets out there. I'm not really sure. <laughs> but, but I think the thing for me that I don't like is just I can't stand 
deciding games, especially gold medal games, important games, on shootouts. I just can't take it seriously. I just, uh, you know what I mean? I know that that's how it, you know, it's not like the U.S. is one. I mean, Canada's one that way, U.S. I'm, so I'm not trying to, you know, spew any kind of thing because of one reason <laughs> or another like that. It's just I don't, I don't like, it's one thing if it's a regular season game or maybe even the non, you know, the early round games or something like that, fine, whatever you need to do. But to me, when you get a game like that, you need to, you know, finish it off with the way the game is supposed to be played, not with, you know, kind of a skill competition. I just don't agree with that. And that's the one thing I hate about international play, whether it's Olympics or whatever, I cannot stand deciding important <laughs> games but with that. I just uh, so I, that, I think that's that's part of my oh, discrepancy. Oh, I completely I agree and uh, when you see somebody like a Mike Madonna tweeting out how terrible a way it is to end a, a tournament, um, uh, there's definitely something to it. Uh, obviously maybe in the previous rounds or even, you know, in the semifinal. I don't mind since they're gonna be playing the next day at this like in this tournament I think a semifinal, you could go to shootout to determine champion. But when you're in the gold medal game, you're in a championship game, uh, Viggs, shootout sucks. Sure, it might be exciting, uh, blah, 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 but it's just not the same. It's not the same, but at the same point, you know, these international tournaments aren't the same thing either. You know, all these players belong to other teams. You know, Tyson Yos came back and played two games this last weekend. Uh, Luke Cunning came back and decided he couldn't play Friday, and so he just played one game on the weekend. You know, I, I get the point where I'd love to have that gold medal game just be five on five until somebody wins, but it's just not the way these international tournaments are run. You know, they don't have the control over these players, and, you know, you might see more players get held back out of the World Junior, you know, if they went to these long overtimes and players got hurt or something. Yeah. You know, they do have investments in these players, and, you know, it's just a it's a one off tournament and you know, for all the things that are awful about shootouts, you know, you have these great moments like uh, Jonathan Taves had for the Canadian team against the US or Peter Forsberg in the Olympics when he made that postage stamp shootout goal or Troy Terry this year for the US. You know, you do get these situations and you know, it's not great for a sport that we all watch and follow, but I, I understand it at the same time. You can only play so much overtime. Uh, yeah. Well, for me, for me though, I I get that. But for me, if if you're going to call it a world championship and you're going to hype it to that level, and you're going to make it a big deal, an important thing among the hockey community or whatever, then finish it off with the actual game. Don't I mean? If you don't just want to say shootouts up until the final, fine. Um, but to me. When you're battling that hard or whatever, to have it come down to that kind of a situation, to me, it cheapens the whole experience. I want to see the game settled by actual gameplay, not some kind of a skill competition, one-on-one kind of a thing. I just, it's like to me, it's like having a free throw contest be what decides a basketball game if you don't win it in the first overtime, or you know, a one-on-one, you know battle and, and basketball, you know, to settle a, a basketball game. It, you know, I don't know. I just think it's a joke. <laughs> well, no matter what, it was entertaining. And obviously, uh, what is it, Terry, from who plays for Denver, Viggs, he went five-hole every time. And, you know, and one of those five-holes against uh, Russia, he had to sauce that shot. I mean, he had to lift it up about three inches off the ice to get it over the stick I mean, that kid's got ice in his veins. 
I it, he was yeah, he, um, he was unbelievable, just unbelievable. Yeah, even TJ Oshi gave him a little thumbs up on Twitter <laughs> after that one. I mean, to just go nutmeg every time is pretty amazing. You know, most guys, you know, they have a move where they want to shoot, they want to deke, or they want to, you know, go up or left on the backhand or something. But he just amazing confidence. And and, and then you have the fact that Parsons stopped five. Canadians from scoring. Not one single goal by the Canadians in that uh, gold medal shootout. I mean, obviously the last one was an easy stuff, but he had some tough saves in there. And and when you're going against Canada, these kids have a lot of skill. And the fact that he shut them out is quite the feat. Yeah, he had a really impressive tournament. You know, I thought USA Hockey had three good goalies, mm-hmm. and uh, they obviously picked the right one for the for the big games because he he was really solid. Um, a little surprising to see a CHL guy get that nod there, but you know, he came through. He was big for them all game against Canada. Well, like I said, people, if you're not watching it, uh, make sure you tune in next year because it's always good stuff. It's uh, uh, It'll be in Buffalo, New York next year, so you're still going to have a ton of Canadian fans there screaming like crazy. Uh, um, Unfortunately, you'll have an outdoor game between USA and Canada. Uh, don't get me started. Luckily, it's hopefully it doesn't rain. <laughs> yeah, uh, these outdoor games, I'm kind of sick of them, but you know, oh well. Um, Vs, uh, you sent me some audio today that we're going to put on the back end of the podcast. Uh, what are we going to hear? Did we lose Vs? I don't know. Did we? I think we did, lost. Did you lose me? I'm, oh, I'm here. There you are. I, I, we didn't hear you for a second there. I was just asking you. And you captured some audio today from the from the media day. And uh, what are we going to hear at the end of the podcast? You'll get uh, Don Lucia talking on a variety of subjects from you know what his team needs night in night out from Shoehorn, uh, congratulating uh, Grant Patoli winning his second gold medal of Team USA's four World Junior medals. Um, and you also hear him uh, talk a little bit about um, Tracy Clays and how coaches these days have a lot more to deal with than they used to, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll get Grandpa Tony talk about um, the World Junior Tournament, how the Wild have the best prospects in oh, all the boy. tournament with uh, Greenway and, and Cunnan and Erickson Ack and uh, Kirill Kasparov. Um, he thought you know that guy is just incredibly electric and Wild fans should be looking forward to having him come. Um, you hear about Bischoff, talk a little bit about um, what this team needs to do on the second half, shutting teams down, grinding pucks, and uh, complimenting Ryan Lindgren on, on his game. And uh, it was actually Bischoff who, who let us know that Lindgren was in the hospital um, when he came back from Canada and uh, had to be in there for a couple of days because he lost about 10 pounds and wasn't able to keep anything down and had strep throat. So a lot of good stuff in there. And as always, we appreciate you getting that audio. And uh, obviously our live listeners won't hear it, but uh, you can always just download the podcast uh, after I post it here in a little bit. And I always put all that extra audio that Vigo captures on the end so you can have a listen to the coach and the players. So uh, any other final thoughts this week, Hammy? No, I mean, I think it pretty much captured yeah. what, you know earlier. I just think that uh, you know we have a good chance to sweep. I think we should sweep, and hopefully the guys will execute. Biggs? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the lineup. Um, I'm not sure how many guys have gotten this illness that's been going around the team. Um, Zoldorf and Lindgren are two of the guys who Don Lucia talked about. Um, Sheehy missed practice today. 
Um, so they've been juggling the lines. Looks like Luke Norderman will get another shot in the lineup. Um, so things to watch there. A lot of competition for spots in the forwards and the D. All righty then. Well, uh, as usual, you could follow Hammy on Twitter at Hammy Hockey, EVGO on Twitter as well. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll recap what I think is going to be a sweep of Michigan. We'll have to wait and see. And then we'll uh, preview uh, heading out to Bucky Badger and the Badgers in Wisconsin. Until then, thanks for listening. How's it feel getting back playing games again and like you like it? You know, I, I was thinking about that walking in today that uh, uh, we've had two games in almost a month. And, you know, it's such a long break. Uh, we're always going to have our break for final exams and Christmas, but the first time we've ever had an off weekend, you know, this quickly, the first weekend of January, you know, part of it came at a good time because, you know, we didn't have Lindgren and um, he ended up being sick anyway and couldn't play in that gold medal game. And then Zolfdorf was sick last weekend, so we had some flu go through us. Um, uh, the negative is that we don't have another off weekend the rest of the year. It would be nice to have it sometime in February when we maybe get a couple of nicks that uh, you could use a week off. But we're anxious to get back to playing games. I think the, the uh, continuity of you know Monday through Thursday practice, playing Friday, Saturday, the rest of the year. This has been a fun get-together, too, in the annual get-together uh, this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like enjoy playing Michigan. They're, they're always good games. Um, you know, they're going to play an up-tempo game. They don't sit back. They're going to attack. Uh, they got a younger team, and they, they got hit hard by, you know, five guys leaving last year and some outstanding guys that are you know, playing in the National Hockey League this year. Uh, but we we know how important the games are. I mean, we're sitting in a, in a pretty good spot, but, you know, like anything, you got to continue to win. You win games, and everything else takes care of itself. So you got a four-game stretch here with Michigan and then Wisconsin, then two more non-conference games, and then we're back in the conference. So, you know, the way I look at it, we have you know, four four-game segments here within the conference play. We're three and one in the first one, and you know, hopefully we can do the same in the next four. Shearhorn had such difficulty with consistency early on, but you got two very solid starts from him here in the Classic. Do you see anything different from him, like demeanor? Or- well, I mean, uh, I kidded him today. You look like a goalie again in practice. And, and uh, uh, he had two good games against Michigan State before break. I think the break was good for him. Uh, he, he, I thought he played well. To me, that was the biggest bright spot of the Mariucci that you know, he had two real good back-to-back games where um, he only let in one, but it wasn't like he had 15 shots. I and mean, he had 30 shots each night. And, and uh, he, he looked square. He looked strong. He looked comfortable. Uh, and that's what we're going to need from him. I think he's going to have a big say in what we do here the second half. Special teams have been really good lately, both power play and penalty kill. What's made that come around? Well, I think we've worked on it a lot. I think we've worked on our penalty kill this year more than probably ever before. Uh, you know, Mike does a really good job with that, and I know he was frustrated, and, and we put in a lot of time, you know, two, three days a week. We're working on it, same with the power play, and that was a point of emphasis when the year began is to, you know, make sure that we have good specialty numbers and our no power play sitting 24% or so on the season. And, you know, we've, we've killed off the last four games every power play, and I think that coincides with Eric playing better uh, because your goaltender is always your best penalty killer. And, you know, if he... If he uh, play strong in that situation. It's going to go a long way to help our power, our penalty kill numbers. Saw so some good stories with with, Crane, with Ryan. You know what? I just saw Ryan for the first time uh, 
today when he oh. walked in right before practice because uh, you know he was down and out pretty good here with for about four or five days and um, you know obviously you know shared stories with Grant and you know it's a special honor I mean for Grant uh, you know the U.S. has won four gold medals and he's got two of them which is which is really special and, and he knew we talked this summer about you know they had a good couple of birth years they knew this was going to be a good team but you know you still got to go into Canada and try to win and uh, you know, being involved with USA Hockey on a number, of, on a number of teams, that you know, there's nothing better than you know, sitting, playing Canada, and listening to your national anthem at the end of a game. And so it was an honor for those guys. I'm really happy for the, the staff, uh, Grant and, and Lingo. Even though he didn't play in the gold medal game, he was obviously a, a key uh, defenseman um, for their team throughout the tournament. How would you assess your team defense, Don? You like what the kind of support the guys are getting there? Yeah, well, when, to me, the first thing I look at is, is uh, shots against. And we're, you know, 25, 26. Uh, so that's a number where we want to be at. Uh, scoring chances, uh, they've gone in the right direction recently. Um, the big thing we have to make sure we, we do a good job of is with our forwards of um, our, our reload game, our back check game, identifying who we have and not getting caught. Uh, hockey's become so much a game of trying to beat people up the rink, especially with the, maybe the defenseman getting up into the tack. So, you know, it's just not the first forward's job to get back anymore. I mean, that, that second, third forward have to make sure they don't get beat up the rink by the D. And, you know, that's happened to us a few times early in the season. I think we, we did a better job of that recently, and, and that, that has to be a point of emphasis uh, from here on out. The long periods of time that you haven't had games, how do you make sure you continue that momentum that you've you kind of had? Before? Well, I mean, it's hard to. I mean, it really is, and and uh, um, that's always the worry. The first game back, are you going to be a little bit rusty? Right. Uh, you know, we went down to Mankato, didn't play very well that Friday after a couple weeks break. It took us a while to get our legs in, in the Christmas tournament, but you know, I thought we we practiced well. Um, last week we took one of the days off. We practiced on Saturday. Uh, I think we changed our practice. We had a special team practice. Did a lot of small games where you get into some of those small games, they start to compete with each other. Uh, which is important, and, and uh, this week we've tried to go hard but shorter. And all of a sudden, you know, when we look at the back half of the year, we're trying to keep our practice around 75, 80 minutes so our guys are fresh and have good legs on the weekend. Is everybody healthy and ready to play this weekend? Yeah, I mean, we still got some question marks with some guys with uh, that are sick. Uh, we missed one guy at practice today. Um, so we'll see whether, you know, how he's doing tomorrow. You know, again, this is Lindgren's first day on the ice since, you know, playing Russia. Uh, way back the last Thursday, so you know Zulzorch took him about five days to get over it. So we'll, we'll see uh, where we're at with that. But other than you know, if somebody's got a uh, bout with a the flu, that I mean, we everybody else is physically healthy. Was that guy missing flu related or? Uh, Pardon? Was that guy missing flu related or injury? Oh, uh, we don't have anybody injured. Okay, so it's Yeah. Norman didn't get a lot of ice time in his first game, but do you see him being part of your forward? Yeah, I, I do. I think that uh, you, I think he did a good job. I mean, unfortunately, you know, for the first time since probably the first couple weeks of the season, there was a lot of penalties in the game, and uh, I don't know if they got a, a new letter to say to start calling it tight again. Um, but it was a it was a pretty tight standard in, in the games on, on in our tournament, and all of a sudden. You know, we're killing off six and we're getting six power plays. So a lot of the game was specialty. So he didn't get a lot of minutes. Um, he got an assist. He made some plays. Uh, but he's just, right now he needs reps and he needs minutes. And, you know, he's still got to, you know, press for ice time. But we like what we're seeing in practice. We think he's getting better. Um, and, and so he's going to continue to get opportunities. I'm not saying he's going to play every night, but he will continue to play. 
when there's a letter sent to referees like that to call it tighter, do they communicate that to you as well? Are, are you in on that when they say they're going to, you know, call this? Well, different? yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we were included, but like when the year began, um, you know, you don't realize what the standard was going to be. I mean, I, I remember we were playing up in Alaska and waiting for our game to start, and I'm, with the time change, I start looking at box scores. And it was like, oh my gosh, there's 10 power plays, 15. So I was like, <laughs> I got to remind our guys right before the game that, you know, this is what's going on around the country. And, and, and uh, I did talk to the referees before the game. They said, yeah, we've been instructed to, to call it tight. And uh, I, I don't have a, a problem with that, but, you know, I don't know if the standard starts to ease, you know, back during the course of the season. I mean, you see that in, in the NHL, or the, the big question mark always becomes is the standard different in the playoffs than the regular season? Um, and I think you could probably say that in all sports as the game get magnified, maybe they let a little bit more go. Uh, with such a different Michigan team this year, is there anything different you've done in prep this week? No, I mean, it, so much of it is all about our team playing with pace and how we're going to play and how we want to play and what we need to do to improve. We we just got to get we got to get back into the rhythm of our season, and, and I think that's the big thing right now. That I mean, when you have two games in a month, you're just you're not in rhythm and. Uh, just the rhythm of, I mean, even going back to school next week, we, we get back into class on Tuesday. And, and uh, so it just you have more normalcy where, you know, you have your class, you have your studies, you go to um, practice, you play your games on Friday, Sunday you take a breath, and then it begins again on Monday. And uh, we just, we got to get, we got to get back in that routine. We got to get back in the routine of Friday, Saturday of playing and continue the evaluation process of, you know, we've, we've got 70 that have played a lot, you know, 14 uh, 15 forwards that have played up front, and uh, you know there's there's pressure to perform for our guys that we have some depth and uh, people are getting pushed and nobody's entitled to a spot on a line or entitled to a spot in the power play. It's you know you execute, you perform, and you get to keep your spot. This new football coach in town. Have you met him yet? No, I have, not, for him? I have not met him. I have not. Uh, I didn't see any of the press conferences or um, I, you know I didn't even read any of the articles. I don't get the paper so. Um, um, sorry. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I usually read it more in the off season than during the season. Um, yeah, that's safer. Uh, <laughs> watch Channel Four. I know. Yeah, I do watch Channel Four. I'll do a shout out for Channel Four. Yeah, right. <laughs> especially the morning show. Um, uh, but you know what? I, I feel bad for Tracy with you know what we do, and it, it's such a hard profession. It's it's what we do becomes more complicated each year. Um, you know, I don't know if there's a handbook on how to handle some of these situations that we're, we're faced with today, and, you know, that's something that, that's ongoing. I know that uh, those are issues that we talk to our team about all the time, and, you know, we actually had uh, Ryan Westrom uh, was a former player, and, and uh, he came in and spoke. It was set up in November, so the timing was, was right uh, because he has his Ph.D. in that, that area, and I did a nice talk for 35, 40 minutes, and you know, the guys have to understand, you know, what the expectations are and, and um, just reinforce. You know, I always tell our guys, don't do anything you wouldn't want your mom and dad to know. And somebody asked me, what are our team rules? I said, that's kind of our team rule. Just don't do anything you wouldn't want mom and dad to know because mom and dad know what you're doing and you're okay, then I'm okay with it. If you're doing something you don't want mom and dad to know, you probably shouldn't be doing it. The money just blow your way in five years. Close to 19 well, million. I said I think his wife loves him four times more. Thanks, <laughs> 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 right. yeah. hey, coach. Thanks,
how, how did that evolve? And what, what's it like now to play in the juniors? Because now people watch it because it's on TV, and then we used to just kind of get the box score and find out, you know, a day later. But I would imagine now it's viral, and to you and the text and everything else, it must have been a surreal experience. Oh, it was outstanding. I mean, I think after the game, I had 137 text messages. Um, the, and the good thing is USA Hockey right now is in a great place. And you, you think back 10, 15 years ago, the kids on the team were from Minnesota, Matt, Michigan, and Massachusetts. You know, now we've got guys from, we had kids from St. Louis, we had kids from New York, we had some kids from Texas. So uh, USA Hockey is an outstanding place. And, and I think the expectations have changed that now we expect the medal. So going into it, I think there's a different feel, uh, not only in the room, but, you know, hopefully within the country. What was it like to work with Mott? Uh Bob was great. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, he was just very calm. Uh, the whole time, you know what, never had any moments where, you know, he let anything show to the guys and everything that he was selling, they were buying. So uh, it was fun. Wait to the point where U.S. is right there neck and neck with Canada, or was this just one of those unique years? I mean, you think about Besser not even playing or Kachuk not even playing. Yeah, yeah. You know, or is it to the point, year in and year out, U.S. talent at that age level is, is comparable to Canada? I think definitely. I think we, we go into that now with the expectation of, of winning. And, you know, we the one thing that we talked about with our guys is we're, we're playing against men. So all, we had 20 kids playing college hockey that had played against men all year. So that, that for us is, you know, we need to use that to our advantage. And uh, I really think that, you know, our guys did a nice job, especially our forwards, just trying to wear people out and wear people out and wear people out and uh, at, at the end of the tournament. I think that we had, you know, kind of ground down some of those teams in the end. What kind of benefits can the college game see from the success in the tournament and this intense interest in it? Uh, I, I think one for sure is I think it gives not the American player and the college player, um, you know, a, a little bit of a spotlight on them. And you know, I think the NHL's taking notice. You know, you think you look at the draft and you look at, you know, where guys of free agents now have uh, been a hotter commodity. So I think it's almost kind of pulling the curtain back a little bit on uh, how great the college game is and and what you know what we can expect going forward. What do Wild fans have to look forward to seeing a number of the, the U.S. players and around the world coming to Minnesota? Wow. I, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Wild fan and, and we're in Minnesota, but they had the best prospects in the tournament, bar none. Uh, the two guys that we had, Greenway is NHL ready. He's an NHL body. You know, he's a big man. He's going to be. He, I think he might be. You might see him next year. Uh, I think Luke Cunning is NHL ready. Uh, he, you know, he's a leader. He plays 200-foot game. Um, you know, he, he's kind of a guy you can plug anywhere. And then, you know, the two Europeans, you know, Eric Sinek is somebody that the Wild fans have already seen. Um, but the Kaprasov, the, the, the Russian, was electric. I mean, he's, he's the guy that we haven't had, you know, maybe coming through here. You look at Tarasenko or some of these other guys. You know, he has that skill set and that ability to just break a game open. So uh, I was nervous when he was on the rink. I can promise you that. You think Greenway, I mean, he's ready right now. I mean, I guess physically 6'5". Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's physically ready to play in the NHL. Um, it, can he do it consistently over 80 games? That'll be the question. But, um, you know, he's, he's an outstanding prospect. And, you know, we were talking about the fact they got him in the second round, which you think now, you look back through that, and um, he, he's a guy who's a lot higher now. Moss told me he walked over to the bench, I don't know if it was Russia or Canada, and just said, I'm going to be here all day, boys. And it was it's kind of like the tough guy in the NHL and, and real comforting to a coach. Oh, it, for, it was the whole time we played Canada. He was talking to their team. Um, he, he had them off their game. And not only did he get them off their game, the first time we played him, he scored a goal and had an assist. So he can make a hockey play, too. 
So, you know, he's kind of more, you think back, he's like, a, you know, like the old Flyers Legion of Doom line. Like, he's that kind of guy that, that can make a play, but he can also hurt you. Grant, what was the biggest challenge with so many games in such a short time for you guys as coaches? Rest. How do you manage the rest? And we were... We wanted to make sure we kept practicing because we felt we were playing at a high level. So we wanted to get on the rink and you know keep that push going and that pump going. But how do you give you guys a break too? You know that was the biggest challenge: is where where are you off and what days do you you know take off? How do you structure practice? Uh, some of those things. Is there anything that you kind of take away from that experience that you can bring uh, to Minnesota for the second half? Um, I, I think it's I think it's a different. Um, you know that tournament is all about what's next. You know, you're. I, I think you know in a college program, you're coaching for the end of the year because you know that's what you're judged on and that's what your your guys are, are hoping to get to. But in in that tournament, you're just trying to figure out what's next and get your guys prepared to play next. You know, for what's next. And um, you know, I, I think some of that mindset can be healthy at times and and park what's what's happened and just worry about what's next. You know, and kind of more live in the moment, I think, it can be something that we could take out of that. With you here in Moscow at, at uh, St. Cloud, how does that help recruiting uh, to get guys to come to Minnesota? I, I think, you know, for the most part, our, our recruiting base has always been Americans. And, um, you know, we, we do have, you know, we, we have in the past had a couple Canadians. But for the most part, that's our recruiting grounds. So the more that you can, you know, be around USA Hockey and be part of USA Hockey, it gives you an opportunity to touch some of those special players. So, uh, so I think it's something that definitely both programs will, will try to capitalize on. Even though you primarily work with the forwards, did you see any big strides made by Lindgren at the tournament? Uh, Ryan was outstanding. Um, you, you know what? He played an outstanding tournament. He was, at the end of the game, he was out there with McAvoy trying to shut other people's best players down, and he did a great job in the penalty kill. And if you would have told me that, you know, when we, we, we're going to play Canada for the championship and you're not going to have Ryan Lindgren and you're going to take six penalties, I would have been really nervous. I mean, when you think about, you know, he's built for that game. Like, he's on the team to stand up to the big bully and, um, you know, not having him in that championship game was a big blow for us. Um, Ryan was outstanding. You know, I was really happy for him. And I, you know, I think people got to appreciate his game a little bit more. Um, you know, you, you see him in, a, in an environment like that. And not Minnesota people, but just, you know, hockey people in general. I think you can appreciate him when you see him in those type of games going, wow, he can shut people down. NHL ready? After three more years of college. Anything <laughs> <laughs> else? Thanks, awesome. Coach. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. I'm guessing it's, uh, it's a little easier this uh, year to prepare uh, defensively against Michigan up the uh, CCM line. Yeah, you know, obviously they lost those guys. Those, all three of those in their whole team last year really was uh, definitely really skilled offensively, so a little more preparation. But, I mean, we can't this year. We still can't take anything lightly. You know, we still got to prepare uh, just like we would for any other game. Time off good, bad, indifferent that you haven't played for a while? Um, yeah, you know, I think the rest was good. I think... Uh, Obviously, Christmas, we were able to go home and spend some time with our families, and then uh, Mariucci Classic, then another week off. Uh, I know, just get uh, rested. I think that's what our main uh, mindset, just get rested and get ready to go. It's going to be a long holiday. We played nine weeks in a row here coming up. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think the rest was good. How do you continue momentum that you guys had you know, before the break and into these next few games? 
Um, yeah, you know, it's tough. I mean, obviously, with all the time off, I think uh, momentum maybe dies a little bit, but we just need to stick with it, you know, and almost, you know, start over, build off of what we had, and then uh, come ready to go this weekend. I think we've had good practices, and uh, we've been working hard, so just uh, build off of that and hopefully have a good weekend this weekend. You guys have worked so hard on special teams this season, but your five-on-five five play has been pretty even, plus-minus-wise. What, what's it going to take for you guys to get over the, the hump on that, play better in zone? Yeah, you know, I think obviously lots of things, but I think we just need to work, keep working in the offensive zone. You know, we need to keep getting pucks behind the D. I think that's huge when you can wear down other teams' defensemen, get the puck down low with uh, the forwards, and obviously get the D involved with the play. But if you can wear out their D and... I think that helps a lot out, a lot five on five once they start getting tired. Justin leads the nation in shorthand goals. What does that speak to about his just the type of player he is? Yeah, I mean he's an unbelievable player. I've been lucky to play with him the last four years, and uh, obviously good friends with him too. But uh, just being able to watch him play, it's something special. That's for sure. He's such a great player. He'll uh, you know take hits and just keep going and keep going and keep going and put the puck in the back of the net just more often than not, I guess. But, yeah, he's uh, fun to watch, that's for sure. How did you spend the off week? Did you watch any games or anything? Or? Um, yeah, just, uh, I mean, we're not in school right now, so the last couple weeks have been pretty uh, laid back. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, watch hockey games, hang out with the guys, guys go shopping, that kind of stuff. Did you guys watch the World Junior together? Yeah, we did. It was uh, it was a great tournament. It was obviously fun to watch and fun seeing USA win and obviously uh, Petone and Lindgren too. Has uh, Lindgren been under isolation since he's been back, or you guys get to talk to him about the experience? Um, today is the first day he's actually been with us. He's been uh, under the weather, obviously. You know, we didn't play in the championship game there. So it was obviously must have been pretty serious to keep him out of that, but... I mean, uh, I think he's been in the hospital the last couple of days, but today we got to see him and uh, obviously congratulate him in person and stuff, so it was pretty cool. What did you see in his game during the, during the tournament? You know, sort of the same stuff I see here with him, playing with him every night. You know, he's so such a great player and just works so hard, especially in the defensive zone. He has talent offensively too, but I think obviously a strong part of his game is just shutting people down and he'll... Uh, the defensive zone, if you're one-on-one -on -one against them, you're not getting the net, and you could just see that even at the World Juniors. He shut people down. was great blocking shots, you know, playing the body, that kind of stuff. He's uh, definitely really hard to play against if you're forward on the other team. You don't want to go against him. Eric Shearhorn has put together a couple of pretty good weekends here your last couple of series. How much of a boost do you guys get when he's on top of this game? Yeah, you know, obviously when he's uh, playing well, it helps – the rest of our confidence too, you know. I mean, knowing that he's back there and uh, you know, gonna back us up when we can't can't handle a play uh, is great to know as a defenseman, especially. But uh, yeah, just like to see him keep going. Obviously, he's been playing really good lately. So if he can keep that up, that'd be awesome. Bischoff was just telling us you were in the hospital the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, I was uh, pretty sick coming off the trip from. Uh, Montreal and Toronto, so yeah, I spent a couple days in the hospital. I mean, what was going on? I mean, how, how dire was it? Uh, I mean, it, it was, you know, um, I had a virus uh, that, you know, caused me to be, you know, throwing up, and I had strep throat, and, uh, you know, I just wasn't get, really getting any better, so 
just uh, I think they wanted to keep me there just to uh, you know watch me a little more and make sure I was getting better. So uh, you know I'm feeling good now. What was that experience like uh, being able to be on the ice and represent for the World Juniors? And it may not have been the best uh, what you want to be celebrating on the ice after not playing, but what was that like? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, you know, being back in that uh, USA sweater was uh, you know really special. Uh, it's a tournament. You know, growing up, I always watched and. You know, I always wanted to play in. Uh, it always seemed like you know a really fun tournament to, to play in, and uh, for us to uh, win gold in the end was uh, you know pretty awesome and pretty special. Even though uh, you know I wasn't able to play in the game, you know I was still able to to go in the locker room after the game and celebrate with the guys and celebrate with my teammates. So uh, you know it, it meant a lot, and uh, you know it was pretty special. Grant thought it was kind of an advantage for you college guys to be playing the World Juniors, playing against the older players here and then getting younger guys. Did you notice a difference from the college game to the World Junior game uh, you are going against? I don't know if I noticed a, a difference. Um, you know, maybe college helps me, uh, you know, be ready for, for a competition like that because, you know, obviously playing the, the World Juniors, it's the best, best players in, you know, the whole world under, under 20. So, uh, you know, playing... You know, it's such a great league. You know, with college hockey, I think it just kind of you know helps you uh, helps you be ready and and uh, you know kind of know what the competition and stuff uh, is going to be like when you when you get there and, and play at World Juniors. How much did the illness take out of you? Do you feel like you, you might have some issues this weekend with with your conditioning? Uh, you know, what, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I practiced today. Uh, you know, I felt all right. Uh, I'll practice tomorrow, and you know. I'll, I guess we'll make the uh, the decision after that. I'll probably uh, ready to play this weekend, but uh, but you know I feel like I, I should be ready to go. Did you lose a few pounds with the illness? I did. Yeah, I lost about ten. Did most of it back yet, or uh, I haven't weighed myself in a while, so I'm not sure. But uh, I'm working on it. Can you uh, go back to the, the um, national team, the junior team? It was a really cohesive group. Um, and some would find that kind of surprising, that, given that you don't spend that much time together. Um, how did that come together? How did that team come together? And did it all go back to summer when you first had your first camps? Uh, I think it goes back to you know a lot of us played with each other at you know NTDP, um, so we knew a lot of each other from them. And you know, even the older guys, you know, we were there a year when they were there, so you know, we knew knew a lot of them and. Uh, and I don't know. It's just it's just a close group when you get there. You know, you're all working hard for for one common goal. So I think uh, you know everyone buys in, and you know you're there with each other for so long. I think you you know get to get to know everyone. So you know I think we meshed pretty well, uh, you know, pretty quickly. And it was you know a really great group of guys. You know, there was no you know outsiders or no cliques or anything like that. So I think that helped us out a lot. But. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just a great group. So I think it was just easy for uh, for everyone to, you know, just kind of mesh together. You had gotten a lot of compliments from uh, coaches, and, and did your play suffer from uh, being sick? And could you have been better in the tournament? Um, well, I think I got, you know, I started feeling sick the uh, the night before the uh, the Russia game, and then, you know, throughout that day, I could just tell I wasn't feeling great. The, uh, you know, the trainers were, you know, trying to help me out and help me with fluids and, you know, taking different meds and stuff like that. And in that Russia game, you know, I, I don't think I was at my top, uh, you know, top form. I wasn't, uh, you know, feeling my, you know, complete best, but. Uh, 
know, I, you know, did did everything I could, uh, you know, give it my all. But uh, but yeah, and then you know, after that game, I could just tell, you know, I wasn't gonna be able to play the finals. You know, that's when I started throwing up and stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, I don't think I was a hundred percent that uh, that last game against Russia. But before that, you know, was was my best.